What do you love about music? To begin with, everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. With little more than keyboards and a passport, Handsome Furs create a world of smart, high-energy electropop. I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. The husband and wife duo Handsome Furs performs live in our studio. And we review the strange mercy of St. Vincent. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions. And now it's time for some music news. Singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings And learn to fly All your life You were only waiting For this moment to arise Oh, Greg, I love that song. That is Blackbird by Paul McCartney from the Beatles' White Album. 1968, McCartney famously wrote it about the struggle for racial equality. Every time you think you know everything about the Beatles' history, some other little nugget surfaces and you learn something new. I was intrigued by this story of an auction that happened earlier this week for a 1965 concert by the band at the Cow Palace in California. The fact that was interesting to me is that it's stipulated in writing, Brian Epstein, the Beatles' manager, said the Beatles, quote, will not be required to perform in front of a segregated audience. They wanted the audiences to be racially mixed. They wanted equality in their concerts, and they were putting it in writing. Now, in 65, they were huge, but by no means were they the Beatles of today, the biggest band ever. And I could have seen how large sections of the U.S. concert industry might have shut them down for daring to say, we want equality in our audiences. Of less importance in that same contract, Greg, two facts. The Beatles were making $40,000, by the way, an astronomical sum then, peanuts now. They insisted that Ringo Starr have a special drum riser, and they also said there had to be 150 uniformed police officers providing protection. That didn't work so well. That particular concert in California broke down for half an hour when some 17,000 fans stormed the stage, and it took that long to get order restored in the place. You never give me Speaking of the Beatles, Jim, they recorded at arguably the most important, prestigious recording studio in the entire world. The Beatles did a good job of putting the name Abbey Road Studios in London on the map for countless audiophiles. In addition to the Beatles, we had bands like Pink Floyd, U2, Radiohead, Lady Gaga, all recording at Abbey Road to have their records recorded and mixed. Now, you too can have your recording mixed at Abbey Road Studios. I think this is a sign of the times, Jim. We're talking about a prestigious recording studio that is now reaching out to the average consumer for a revenue stream 
because, let's face it, home recording is really impinging on the business that a lot of these large studios are doing. You can now basically make a record and distribute it from your own bedroom. You don't necessarily need a large recording studio. However, it needs to be said that there is nothing like a professional mix from a highfalutin recording studio. So for the price of $800 to $1,200, depending on how many tracks you put together, you too can get your homemade recording mixed at Abbey Road. The way they're doing it is they're going to basically do a 10-day turnaround. You, you upload the tracks, send them to Abbey Road. Within 10 days, you'll get a mix back. They're asking you to uh, give them a little bit of advice. What do you exactly do you want to sound like? Do you want to sound like the Pixies? Do you want to sound like Linda Ronstadt? You know, give us some clues as to how you want us to mix your music. Merrick Stiles is the head of audio product at Abbey Road Studios in London, and according to him, this is the same kind of innovation that the Beatles would have favored 40 years ago. Abbey Road's history has been quite forward-thinking. We've always had that history of, of trying to push the boundaries and trying new things out. This is just continuing in that tradition. Another route that Abbey Road is taking to remain relevant is to create a board game, or at least EMI Music and Publishing, which owns Abbey Road, is doing this. They have created the Abbey Road Studios Music Trivia Game, which is exactly what it sounds like. You start at the famous zebra crossing at the start of the game, and then you answer a bunch of trivia questions. I guess the real key here is that five versions of the game are going to contain a special golden ticket that is going to allow winners a once-in-a-lifetime guided visit through Abbey Road Studios. Get them while they're hot, folks, because you do not know how long these historic studios are going to be around. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that's a song called When I Get Back, the lead-off track from the third album by Handsome Furs called Sound Capital. That's the Montreal duo of Dan Beckner and his wife, Alexi Perry, who share a hometown with Beckner's other band, Wolf Parade. But this project is a little bit different. They, they fill their toolbox with synthesizers, drum machines, and keyboards rather than the guitar, bass, and drums that uh, Wolf Parade use. And their music harkens back to the 80s, both in terms of sound and politics, particularly after Dan and Alexi traveled to Eastern Europe and Asia. So we talked to them about their extensive world tours, and we invited them to perform songs from Sound Capital when they joined us in the studio recently. Dan Beckner, Alexi Perry, welcome to Sound Opinions, guys. Thank you for having us. Thanks and, for having And us. looking mighty handsome you guys are. This is the first act, I think, in Sound Opinions history that has brought a light show with us. That's right. I <laughs> got the lasers going? It's, it's, it's just because we smell bad, so we wanted to do something <laughs> to combat that. We smell terrible, and we have what is literally the world's cheapest commercially available laser. I don't even know if it's legal in America. So. When people wow. go on the web, though, to look at this, they're going to be impressed, because it's an impressive light show. Now, everybody else is going to have to live up to this, no matter who we get in here in the future. It's probably giving everyone cancer right <laughs> So, Handsome Furs, on their third record, Sound Capital. Dan and Alexi, take us back to getting this band together. Obviously, not only a band, but a couple, a married couple. Yes. What came first? Music, romance, some something in between? Um, I th- the romance came first. I, I met Alexi 
years and years ago at a telemarketing office. It we, was very romantic. <laughs> we, we showed up for a training day. Like I walked into the room and she was standing by the window and I was like, that is the most beautiful girl I have ever seen in my life. And he was wearing a leather jacket. And I was, wow. I was just like, I am, I am taking this job because I, I was debating on just walking out and then she was there and then we worked together in the same pod, sales pod. Mm-hmm. In uh, Montreal? In yeah, Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then eventually we, we moved in together in Vancouver and we were living in this, well, I mean. Yeah, a very, very tiny bachelor apartment that had no closed rooms. So we would take turns sort of working on different projects like writing and, and music. And then it just, we sort of tore whatever invisible walls down and started working together. Mm-hmm. We basically couldn't get any like alone time to work on our like Alexi's writing or my music, so we were just like, okay, we should probably start some project together so we don't go crazy. And then and then we started the project and went on tour immediately after that. So Alexi, you come more from the the writing side, right? Mm-hmm. You're a short yeah, story writer. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, it's actually been a pretty big challenge for me to take on the music side of my life. I mean, I played piano as a kid, but it's been. You know, a very, very big challenge to go from such a, you know, private career <laughs> into mm-hmm. into doing stuff that's performative. Well, you're not very inhibited on stage, I have to say. <laughs> I mean, so you made the transformation somehow from this very private, as you said, solitary kind of life. I mean, what was it that attracted you to the music side of it? Well, I mean, I think, you know, just working with Dan, I wanted to, to, to be working together. And uh, even though... You know, I seem uninhibited on stage. I, I am nervous every night, and <laughs> and all that movement is just because I'm feeling so terribly awkward. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, and the band name came from one of your short stories, yes, right? That's right. Yeah. What, what what was that story about? Um, it was actually about a woman that was dying of lung cancer, and this flood happens, and it allows for these zoo animals to escape, and it's her sort of neighborhood zoo, and they end up trampling her to death, and it's sort of this. Uh, it's a happy end. It's a kind to, of a comedy. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a very hilarious person. Well, it is. It's like a black comedy. Yeah. And we thought, you know, I mean, those events that are bittersweet and, and full of calamity seemed like a good summation of what we were doing with our music. Dan, you were in, uh, you've been in a couple of bands, Atlas Strategic and then Wolf Parade. You formed Handsome Furs kind of around the same time that Wolf Parade was getting off the ground as well. Why did you feel you needed another band at this point in your life well i mean can't sleep (laughs) that's actually true i have like terrible insomnia and i don't sleep you know when when wolf parade started the the principal members which are arlen spencer and myself because it was a three-piece when it started when we when we got together the original idea was that wolf parade would exist as spencer backing up my solo project and then he was gonna start a band called sunset rub down where I would back him up and we'd have two bands. And then we just, we realized we were all broke. We were working these nine to five jobs. We didn't have time to have two bands. So we were like, okay, we'll just start one band. But we made a rule right away. We were like, everybody can do pretty much anything they want. We're not going to make this. We're not going to be married to this. And we kind of got married to me instead. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Good choice.
Lexi and I really wanted to start a project together, and it could have been a writing project, but, you know, I'm not good at anything except for playing music artistically. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am terrible at visual arts, and I don't have the focus to edit film together, and so we just started writing songs. Handsome Furs allowed me personally to just uh, express myself creatively in ways that I knew wouldn't fly with Wolf Parade and was just a product of our relationship. It was, it was like a musical explosion from our relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, different tools, I guess, right? I mean, Wolf Parade may be a little more traditional guitar-based drums yeah. kind of approach, and obviously you guys are not doing that. No. When we started this band, we we really we set up some ground rules, which I thought would kind of like differentiate us and, and allow us to, to be creative in our own way. Which was that, you know, we do electronic music, but we wouldn't use a computer, and we never have another member. It would always just be up to me and Alexi to fill the space up with the occasional guest that we tour with. Yeah, but I think that really shaped the sound of the band and, and changed the songwriting a lot. We had to try to fill up all that space. Big on setting the rules at the beginning of the band, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's what Eno would call a creative dilemma. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, but think, I, I think that's important. Wait, wait, wait to a minute. Do. Wait a minute. We have to stop and we ought to drink a shot right now <laughs> because that is the seven millionth reference to Brian Eno on this show I think that that's by Jim DeRogatis. For electronic yeah. musicians, I think that that's valid. Isn't that like an oblique strategies card? Like you pull one out and it's like, do a shot with David Bowie. And then like, See, yeah. he knows what I'm talking about. It was a valid question. I'm not saying it was invalid. I'm just saying we have to honor the occasion. Because I was wondering, when are we going to get the Eno reference? And it came about 15 minutes into that interview. Pretty good. When are we going to get the song? Why don't we get a song and then we can proceed with this conversation? Tell us what you're going to play. Uh, We're going to play a song called Memories of the Future, which we stole the title from, there's a collection of Soviet-era science fiction stories that New York Review of Books published. Mm. It's about nostalgia. (laughs) You ready? Yeah. Well, I don't remember Sleeping in the hall And I don't remember Anything at all it never meant much to me Nostalgia It never meant much to me Here comes the future. It's violent and bright. Here comes the future. 
future Well, you pretend to be a child Nostalgia Never meant much to Nostalgia Never meant much to me Give me the keys to your heart Oh, you'll never know Give me neon light Give me new world Oh, I, 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 I put my hands to the sky I let my memories go I threw my hands to the sky I let my memories go Let them go I let them go I let them go I threw my hands to the sky, I let my memories go I threw my hands to the sky, I let my memories go But I feel low I feel low I feel low I feel low, but it feels alright. I feel low, but it feels alright. I feel low, but it feels alright. When I feel low, I feel 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 alright. Memories of the Future by Handsome Furs, live on Sound Opinions. We're going to continue talking with Dan and Alexi in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And later, it's the highly anticipated new release from St. Vincent. Yeah. 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and you've been listening to our conversation with Dan Beckner and Alexi Perry of Handsome Furs. They stopped by our studio to perform songs from their new album, Sound Capital, which in large part focuses on the politics and culture of Russia and the former Soviet Union. As Dan and Alexi explained, they were inspired by their own travels to Eastern Europe and Asia, where new forms of underground protest music are going strong. It's really interesting because it's not just what we consider, like, in North America, consider protest rock. Because you think Mm -hmm. about rock that accompanied some kind of social change. You always think of psych rock from the 60s and and Bob Dylan. But worldwide, I was amazed that in ex-Yugoslavia, the soundtrack to the anti-Milosevic revolution was, when they finally got him out of power, was broadcast by a public radio station called B92, which mm. was constantly being shut down, and they played techno all yeah. the time. Yeah. 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 So you get these like European techno songs that out of context sound totally, it's like dance, dance, dance. <laughs> yeah. right, right. It's totally right. cheesy. But then right. we talked to my friend Branka, and he's like, and he's like, so I much. love this song. He's <laughs> We'd like, be sitting we... in the club being like, really? This song? Yeah. This well, song it's a celebration yeah. of life and yeah. freedom and individuality, yeah. which is Absolutely. what all those dictators were the opposite exactly. of. Yeah. Exactly. And then in China, yeah. you get hardcore. Because, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, yeah. the hardcore scene started in the late 90s, early 2000s. So, like, the indie rock bands are, instead of being influenced by late 80s alternative rock, like Dinosaur Jr., like maybe maybe kids here who are in indie rock bands are, they're, they're influenced by bands like Demerit, who mm-hmm. are just like yeah. sludge punk, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think when we started hearing music from the so-called third world countries, there was definitely a, a sense of they're absorbing Western rock and Western influences, and they're kind of regurgitating it, and you know, to the point of even sometimes singing in phonetic English. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Now they're singing in their own language, but what are you picking up through your world travels? Are they forging kind of a new identity, a new sound that's kind Definitely. of all their own? They are. Yeah. I mean, I actually had the lucky experience of working as a music editor for the Beijinger in Beijing last year, and so I was going to a lot of rock shows just to see what, what kids were doing, and it was so great for me because I felt like there was so many influences that I didn't even understand. Like, I knew they were drawing from a canon that was purely their own. That yeah, I that's cool. And yeah. that's when it becomes exciting. And they're yeah. kind of where rock and roll was, like, in the 60s. Yeah, say, exactly. It's, it's a new thing for them, and yeah. they're inventing something. They're inventing something, and all of the bands sound totally different, but they have this, you know, sort of kinship in... I don't know, this shared, I don't know how to well, like, express. Well, it's like New York in the 70s, mm-hmm. like with the punk thing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you had the Talking Heads, Blondie, Suicide, television, television mm-hmm. but they all got lumped into punk, but they, they all sound totally yeah. different. So that's Completely happening. In, yeah. yeah, it's really fascinating what's happening there. You know, so many indie bands, you know, they're touring America regularly, and perhaps they get over to the U.K., you guys are really touring the world. How are you pulling this off? I mean, it seems rare, right, Greg? That Well, I was going to say, most bands, when they start out, they're like regional bands, and they sort of tour their little zone. And you guys started out in Oslo or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Wasn't exactly. that your first tour? That was, that our, was first our first show. Yeah, 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 first tour. Yeah. So how does that happen? Well, I mean, with the exception of the first Scandinavian tour, which was basically because, you know, our, a, there was a booking agent over there who's now our booking agent who just really wanted he us. Took he risk. took a giant yeah, yeah. risk, like yeah. leap of faith yeah. on us. <laughs> haven't seen you, haven't heard you, but yeah, come yeah. on over. Yeah, yeah. really, yeah. truly. Yeah. When we started, we played small shows. We didn't make any money. We went on re- just kind of relentlessly toured America, and then we'd go to Europe. And every time we went to Europe, we would go a little further east. 
And then every time we went back, we went back to those places. And I think that's the key. I have a lot of friends in the Balkans who are booking agents and a lot of friends in Eastern Europe who are booking agents. And they're like, yeah, you know, we get these indie bands and they come and they're like, oh, this is great. But then they ask for too much money or their management asks for too much money and they stay at the hotel and then they never come back. And then the kids in, let's say, you know, Riga have to settle with seeing Deep Purple for the 10,000th time at some... <laughs> Alexi and I just made a point of... So we played Serbia. The next time we routed Europe, we're like, all right, we're going to not do a few UK shows in favor of going to Serbia again. Mm. And then further and further and further. And and it does take a little more legwork, you know? And mm-hmm. I mean, and I think you have to be committed to putting in a bit more work and, and not always interested in making the smart lucrative choices in the, you know? in the short term in the short yeah. term you know but then as you go back you do develop a big enough fan base that it becomes feasible financially as well, well. and the rewards right i mean well, you're playing to a crowd me. in riga yeah. you know you're changing those people's yeah. lives as opposed to londoners are standing there with their arms that's crossed. right yeah that's right yeah. i mean and, yeah i mean all i've ever wanted in my whole life was to travel the world and to make music and art touring asia i mean we wouldn't have made this record the same way that we did if we hadn't have done those two tours of southeast asia and china you know it wouldn't it wouldn't have happened this way so mm-hmm. and you get to share a room <laughs> that's that true too. <laughs> don't have to go on vacation you're with each other that's, that's right. true yep. yeah. can you give us another tune and tell us what it's going to be yeah um so we're going to do bury me standing and uh this is for friends in romania Stops. So I would trade it in the feedback for a day. 
Standing from Handsome Furs, Dan Beckner, Alexi Perry on Sound Opinions. That's uh, furious stuff. They're, the sweat's going. And <laughs> it is hot I'm, in here. <laughs> it's great. I am really sweating right now. It's, it's the lasers. Sorry, camera it's crew. lasers. <laughs> when you started this band, just two people, no computers, no rhythm section, did you sort of have like a sense of, okay, we've got to do something on stage here to, you know, I mean, I, I think entertain? I think so. I mean, I think you, I mean, we we would have had that whether there were other members or computers yeah. involved, to yeah. be honest. I right. mean, the best shows that I go to are the ones where people put their hearts out there. And I'm, 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 I feel lucky that I get to do that nightly. Me too. Well, it's also, you know, lack of fear about making a mistake. I yeah. think people are really precious or really scared Absolutely. about, you know, we got to play it precisely and, you know, oh, we yeah. that, that's we got to start the song. Point. I no, totally agree with that. That's absolutely true. Yeah. I, it's crazy. Like, I, I mean, we've, we toured, when we were in the UK the last time, we had this opening, this British opening band whose name, fortunately, I can't remember. <laughs> um, fortunately for them. But they were, they were all in their early 20s. They had management. This was their second show, and they had this manager <laughs> who was, like, bossing everyone around and yeah. being awful to everyone. And Alexi and I don't have management because there's only two of us. And we were, you know, we were kind of like, you guys need to relax. Like, and then they went to open the show, and they played every – it sounded like a CD. Mm-hmm. But nobody moved around, and the audience didn't move around, and then they politely applauded, and, and I was just like, what, what is the purpose of this? Because you're not enjoying yourselves. Well, and the other thing I wanted to get at, too, is there's a forward-looking aspect to your music. How have your travels actually influenced the way you guys actually sound? Well, I mean, I think we've tried to replicate some of the, the chaos and frenzy that we hear in places like Hong Kong, where we see you know, the future just in the streets. Yeah, we sampled a lot of yeah, we also street sounds yeah, when, yeah, we were, yeah. when we were on tour. Like in Chinese culture, they have this, and in Taiwan as well, they have this concept called Ren Now, which means literally hot, bright, and noisy. Mm. 
you see that like when you walk out the nightlife, you know, you go, you go, there's noodle stalls, but there'll be these just crappy, like tweeters, basically blasting tinny, you know, Mandarin <laughs> pop music and they'll be right next to each other. And that's seen as a positive thing. That's not seen as annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like the audio equivalent of the laser that's going on. <laughs> in here right now. It has become Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's the it's future exactly now. Right. We have to ask the obligatory Wolf Parade question, Dan. Uh, Wolf Parade, a band that was fairly successful, made three good records, commercially pretty viable, I would imagine, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we know. were moderately successful. <laughs> yeah, you, were, right? you know, I don't <laughs> top 100 albums, Billboard charts, right? Not bad. Yeah. We can see it from the shore. And yet, it looks like you guys have sort of, you know, walked your separate paths. Where are you at? Do you ever see that band getting back together again? I, at this point, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we made that decision for a lot of reasons, but, you know, we were touring Expo 86, and everybody was having a good time. For Wolf Parade Tour, everyone was having a good time. <laughs> On, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of different personalities in that band. But as the tour was kind of wrapping up and we had these more, uh, we had more offers in for international touring, it became pretty clear that there was a a big divide in the band about how much time we wanted to spend on the road as opposed to just writing songs and, and putting up music. We decided that instead of it getting to the point where we were making record number four and everybody wanting to kill each other, because we've known each other for a really long time and we're really close friends. I mean, those guys are the closest thing. To, That's your family. To, yeah, they're they're like my family. Mm-hmm. We decided, you know, we could be at each other's throats in six months, and and there could be tears and pouting, or we could just you know kind of mm-hmm. put it on hold for a while and let everybody just do their own thing. And uh, I think I, we all it was a really easy decision. We were like, yeah, let's just go out on a relatively high note, you know. Mm-hmm. So are the conflicts a, mostly artistic, or is it the personality clashes? They're never artistic. It's it's weird. We don't we don't fight about that stuff. That's the one easy thing in that band, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think it's more about like you know, like touring schedule stuff. You know? yeah. like how how much people want to be away from home. It's touring schedule and the mechanics of being in a moderately successful indie rock band. Like how much press do you do? Who do you engage with? Mm-hmm. What like where do you want to go from where you are? And I you know. I, I I felt like we were really lucky. Like I also feel like Handsome Absolutely. Furs is really lucky. Absolutely. You know, we don't we don't get to this point where like we get hyped and hyped and hyped and then every, and then the rugs pulled out from under us. Like yeah. with a band like I, I mean I love this band Salem, right? But they got just savaged at mm-hmm. South by Southwest and and you know, we you know, Wolf Parade and Handsome Furs never really we never really had that. We we always just kind of focused on the live show and you know, 
And building, 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 even slow if it's growth. In, you know, small increments. You know. yeah, Glad yeah. to have finally met the second person in the universe who loves Salem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love them. But Dan, having had that experience with these guys you grew up with, who were like family in in Wolf Parade, too much time in that bus in that van does that to anybody. Yeah. Okay. Do you worry about that with Alexi? Yeah, we, you know, we argue sometimes, but it's we know how to separate our space, and we have a like a deep emotional <laughs> relationship <laughs> that as much as I love, you know, Spencer or Arlen, I can't have sex with Arlen <laughs> to kind of make up for something terrible. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you could, I, I mean, mean, I could, he's married to close minded so about it. It'd be <laughs> weird. He is very handsome. He's got, he's got soft eyes. <laughs> I think it's different. I mean, we both put in the same work, too. You know, I mean, yeah. we both love it equally, you know, and love the all aspects of it equally, yeah. you know. And I think also we're we're fortunate enough that we know each other well enough that it's like, if I need to do some writing, I'll get that time to do it. And yeah. we can, you know, I mean, we juggle our time really, really well, even under the, you know, exhausting and grueling conditions that is tour life. I think we, we do a really, really good job. We're here with Handsome Furs, Dan Beckner, Alexi Perry. How about another song, guys? All right. Absolutely. Um, what are we going to play? <laughs> you want to do What About Us? Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. We'll build an army of thieves that got everything we need. But what about us? What about us? There's lies in the seat, so hard to believe. But what about us? What about, what about us? 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 What about us?
Break my heart Break my heart Break my heart Lexi Perry on the keyboards and the drum machine. some serious choreography going on here too this is awesome <laughs> what about us by the handsome furs on sound opinions dan beckner alexi perry thanks so much guys for coming in thank you for having us it was thanks. a pleasure thanks for having us video of the handsome furs lasers and all at soundopinions.org and we want to hear from you what sounds are you hearing from the international underground share your thoughts on that or anything in the rock world by calling 888-859-1800 coming up greg and i review the latest from annie clark better known as saint vincent that's in a minute on sound opinions from wbez chicago and prx
Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He is Greg Cott. That is the song Cruel from the new album by St. Vincent, Strange Mercy, album number three, Greg, from Annie Clark, a really fascinating musician, singer, songwriter from Dallas, Texas. Went to the Berklee College of Music, classically trained. She was a guest on Sound Opinions. She shared with us the story of how she, as a young girl, was the tour manager traveling around with her relative's band, Tuck and Patty. She made her entry into the indie rock world in a number of kind of skewed ways. She was a member of Polyphonic Spree, that giant orchestral indie rock band. She played guitar in Glenn Branca's 100 Guitar Orchestra. She was a member of the touring band for Sufjan Stevens. And then in 2007, she makes her own indie debut under the moniker St. Vincent. Marry Me begins to build a very big buzz, which is amplified, I think, tenfold by actor in 2009. Now comes album number three. She's working again with producer John Coggleton, forwarding the sound that she's been pursuing ever since forming St. Vincent, a combination of orchestral lushness and dark night of the soul spooky story songs. What has she given us on this new record, Strange Mercy? We'll get into our opinions in a minute. First, let's hear a track. Here is St. Vincent with Northern Lights on Sound Opinions. If you say
That is Northern Lights from St. Vincent, her third studio album, Strange Mercy. Jim, I was a big fan, as you know, of her 2009 record, Actor. In fact, it was my number one album of that year. And I think the uh, approach she took on that record is amplified here. What she did there on Actor was take these kind of very lush orchestral tracks. She's talked about making this movie soundtrack for the, for the headphones and, and combining it with her acute musicianship as a guitar player to create this kind of strange, surreal world. She's doing more of the same here, but I think she's blown out the dynamics to an even greater degree. That guitar playing is more pronounced. Although you may not recognize it as a guitar, it's all over this record. It is smudged, distorted, and on that song Northern Lights, you can really hear it jumping in, and it's kind of like an ambush. It just comes in there and really takes over the song. I love to hear that from her because she can really play that guitar. And at the same time, she's got more layers in those orchestrations. You know, she's bringing in more musicians into the studio. You can catch a John Barry movie reference in the song Surgeon, where she's referencing You Only Live Twice. I spent the summer on my back. Lyrically, this album is a beautiful meditation, I think, on resilience. The whole idea that life is going to throw these blows at you. There's going to be some real low points, and it's kind of how you ride them out and what you have to do to sort of cope with them that really defines you as a human being. And it's really all about balancing that ugliness with the beauty. Now, I think Strange Mercy, like Actor, is a fantastic record. I'm going to give it a buy it all the way. Greg, I couldn't disagree with you more. I am so over Annie Clark, St. Vincent's shtick. You have this incredibly fussy, needlessly complicated music. She admits as much. In the song Cheerleader, she says, I tried too hard just to be clever. She's trying harder than ever to be clever here with these intricate constructions that suddenly have the noise blast in with this sweetness from this talented young woman. And then suddenly she becomes this evil character. This is like Zoe Deschanel, insufferably cute, suddenly meets Natalie Portman's evil twin in, in Black Swan. Okay, And I'm not buying it. The song that everybody's quoting and is everybody's excited about is Chloe in the Afternoon. How pretentious. It takes its title from an obscure 70s classic of the French New Wave cinema and finds Annie Clark brandishing a black, lacquered horsehair whip. I'm not buying it. That dominatrix outfit is just a costume. I really have a hard time buying you having murderous vengefulness in your heart. You know, she's not so she is not Nico. It's not her. It's a story about a character like this. Yeah, but I don't think she delivers the story particularly well. (laughs) You know, she wants to be Nico, she wants to be Polly Jean Harvey. So the whole thing is constructed in that way, and the blasts of noise come in amid the beautiful orchestrations. It's all top heavy and it's all just really getting under my skin, and I gotta (laughs) give it a trash it. I'm sorry. What do we have on the show next week? Besides you being wrong again, Jim, we have a great show. Bob Ezrin will talk to us about making classic albums with Pink Floyd, Alice Cooper, and Peter Gabriel. 
Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions was produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, and their able assistant, Annie Minoff. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, is Tori Southside Malatia, who just can't wait to get his hands on that Abbey Road board game. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Well, congratulations, folks, on another wonderful hour and an hour of funk music. I can't keep your feet still to funk music. This is Gianluca, by the way. Have to uh, just bring something up, though. What up, guys? The meters? Anywhere? Well, how come they never get mentioned in anything related to funk? Earlier than James Brown. I mean, everyone says James Brown invented funk. Meters were added in the mid-60s. What up, guys? My name is Sandra Hunter. I am in Omaha, Nebraska. I just want to give a shout-out to Pedro Bell, who put the face on P-Funk. Dude did the album covers following Maggot Brain, P-Funk, Parliament, Rides, all of that. The image is the artwork of Pedro Bell. There are those of us who think that if the Funk had been on the same level as, oh, let's say, the Beatles International, Pedro would be an equivalent to Peter Max. Thank you. Hey guys, great show on funk, especially the interview with Bootsy Collins. He's a great example of the intellect that comes with a great artist. I will tell you something about the origin of the word funk. I have found it in liner notes of jazz records going back into the 50s. In fact, I found it in the liner notes to Bag's Groove and Walkin' by Miles Davis. And I've seen it used to describe Art Blakey as a hard funk or hard pop drummer. So, yabba dabba dooza, mama. Hey, this is Mike Neal, originally from Milwaukee, and I'm commenting on some of the great funk tunes that I came up with. I'd have to say that one of my favorite groups was Cameo. One of their early hits was really, really laid down, low down, funky tune called Rigor Mortis. I don't see why you folk group won't have this dance with me. Rigor Mortis will sit in, just sit there and you'll see. The music sounds too good for you to look and act this way. Just free your mind of all your thoughts and you will surely say. Another one that I always liked, a group that wasn't really quite so famous, and that would be Brass Construction. Another serious, serious 
low-down, funky tune called Get Up to Get Down. Thank you. Just want to give you a little feedback on your uh, episode with Bootsy Collins. I just want to thank you guys for covering the funk. I have funk in my DNA. When my now seven-year-old son was first born, at six months, I sat him on my knee and we watched the DVD of Parliament Funkadelic. And I saw his head pop, so the funk will forever live on. <laughs> God, thanks a lot. No more messages. Give us your opinions on Sound Opinions. Call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.